And that's what I was telling you. Like, I just don't feel like I have the drive and the ump today. Like it's, it's just not there and things have already gone south so quickly. Like, I just don't know if that ump is there to go another 40 miles. Running a hundred miles seems impossible and maybe even kind of crazy. And it is, but we believe in big crazy dreams. That's why we ran 100 miles. It was such a life-changing experience for us, we decided to devote this podcast to preparing and inspiring you to run your first ultra race. Are you ready to feel the highest highs and the lowest lows? Are you ready to do what you once thought was impossible? Are you ready for your trail to 100? Thank you for joining us here on Trail to 100, the podcast made to help you finish your first 100-mile race. My name is Jacob Bateman, and joined along with me is my beautiful and lovely wife, Melody. What's up? And today we are here to bring you the Scout Mountain 100 race recap. So, we lied to you on yesterday's episode. Jacob lied to you. I, I was overly ambitious... Bought these cool mics, thought that I could record myself out on the trail to give you an in-depth analysis, like, day of, give you in the zone of what's going through my mind in the moment. But in the moment, the last thing I wanted to do was expend energy hooking up a Bluetooth mic and trying to make sure it's on and charged and hiking up a mountain 60 miles in the race. So I did not record much i only got a couple clips so we're just gonna give you the race recap right here (laughs) it's a cool idea though so we'll we'll probably try it again but instead of running it and recording it at the same time we want to find somebody who's doing their first 100 and we'll just stock them the entire race and we will be their crew and their their pacers and we will document the race for you so if any of you out there are interested in having your entire 100-mile journey documented through podcast, um, form. through podcast form and ask and having us ask you lots of annoying questions when you're in the pain cave, hit us up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, so the race. Race day. So how about we start on the day before the race? I think that's a good idea, Jacob. Okay. So the day before the race... We, I procrastinated packing basically anything for the race. And so we spent the whole morning trying to make sure that all the food was ready and organized and everything, clothes and everything was packed up, ready to go. So moral of of the story, start, pack a little bit every day leading up to your race and don't do it all in one day. Yes. I did better for you. You and I, I, I packed a little bit throughout the week, but this race, I just put just it off. Took and, took the day off yeah. and just did it all, yeah. And that leads me to my my next item of business, not just the day before, but the this the whole week, couple weeks before this race, I was also just really struggling mentally, just having a hard time mentally with things yeah things outside of running were getting to me and it wasn't necessarily running that was was getting to me it was just life and i was just feeling really low 
the last couple of weeks, to be honest. And it, it, and it was starting to really worry me that it was now going to leak into this hundred mile race. Cause I mentally, I just wasn't really feeling prepared or feeling in the zone or feeling ready for this race. Plus I feel like when you're just stressed with life and when you're mentally down, I feel like that's really draining. And so I feel like you didn't really recover really well because you were just stressed and down, you know? Yeah, yeah. Just wasn't in a good place mentally for the two weeks leading up to this race. Now, anyways, we finally got everything packed on Thursday. He got in the car, drove up to Idaho. It's about a two-hour drive from where we live. And we decided that we would try to find most of the aid stations so that which you, we didn't yeah. really. <laughs> but we got ideas yeah it helped it was helpful to drive yeah. around yeah and got lost a little because the gps doesn't know what it's doing and we found quite a few or figured out where they weren't at <laughs> yeah up there in the mountains and uh, anyways but it, it was probably a good thing we did that so you could have figured out that you know the gps was not going to take you to the right spot it did help it actually was really helpful yeah. for you the next day yeah and uh then we went to cafe rio that's what jacob wanted for his pre-race meal but Apparently, a Cafe Rio salad was not enough for him because when we got to the place we were staying at, Jacob had to have like three bowls of chicken noodle yeah. soup. <laughs> yeah, we stayed at my cousin's place because they just live like 20 minutes from the start line. So that was convenient. Yeah, and so she made a big bowl of soup that I ate a lot more of, <laughs> trying to get all the food in I can the night before. And then, then we hit the sack and... I don't know how anybody sleeps well the night before a 100-mile race. I didn't and just had a hard time turning off my mind. But here's the thing. We didn't have to wake up at 3 a.m. for this race, which yeah. there were pros and cons to this. Yeah. It was nice to sleep in until, what, like 7, 7.30 the next day? I mean, yeah, I guess it was nice for you. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I am very against a late start time for a hundred mile race. Honestly, yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm, I guess mean? it's just to make it more miserable, which is why we do it, right? <laughs> if I had to sign up for a hundred mile race, I would choose an earlier start time. Yes, yes. It's I think it's more mentally tough. Well, because I feel like the second you wake up, you're expending energy. Yeah, you're wasting energy. Yeah, so you're starting the race like already on lower energy. Yep, so the race started at noon. So we woke up, packed up. I cooked myself some eggs on toast and just tried to eat a normal kind of breakfast that I would normally eat. Jacob had to gag it down, basically. I didn't want it. I didn't want it. I I didn't want anything because... I'm about to run 100 miles. Like, it's just nothing else matters in your mind. The nerves, moment. yeah. Anyway, so we drove and they had the pre race meeting at 10, so still two hours before the start, and then went to the start line. And we just, it was funny because we did the pre race meeting, which was like 15, 20 minutes. It was a super awesome meeting. We have lots of respect for the race director in this race. But then, yeah, we just kind of sat around for a couple hours and didn't really know what to do after yeah. that. Just chilled and waited for the race to start. So, anyways, race starts. 
It was pretty uneventful first 10 miles, as most first 10 miles in 100 should be. Gorgeous terrain, though. Really pretty area. Now there's 23 to 24,000 feet of vert in this race. And anyways, and it actually they had added on like two and a half miles to get to aid stations because they couldn't have the aid stations in normal spots because of the snow. And so there was lots of big snow drifts near the higher elevation parts of the race. Which there's some videos posted of Jacob and his pacer, Jeremy, sliding down these snow drifts. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that um, at the at the end. And anyways, so ran the first 15. And I remember just feeling slightly disappointed and uncomfortable because I just didn't feel that fresh. And by mile 15, I I felt tired already. Like, oh, I feel tired. Do you think you should have tapered more? Because we've talked about that. We weren't sure if you should taper more, if you should follow the plan. Do you think that has something to do with it? I don't know, to be honest. I personally think it's that on top of you being really stressed the week before. I think I actually would give most of it to the stress. And my mental state is my opinion right now. That makes sense. It because at the end, I had energy and I ran, you know, some 15, 16 minute miles past the 100 mile mark. And so I don't know. I, I had energy. I like I powered through that last 20 miles pretty good. Or I felt like it did. So I don't, I think it was more my mental state than my physical state of why I felt so tired. But but anyways, saw you at mile 15, got some a cup of noodles in me. I was trying to eat every 45 minutes was my goal and getting about 30 to 40 grams of carbs in every 45 minutes. And I know that's lower than most nutritionists suggest, but... <sighs> I feel like it just seems more and more that you do well on more of a low-carb, high-fat kind of approach. Yeah, and and we're going to get to that. And I need to make big changes to my diet because diet is an issue for me. Right. But but when you came into mile 15, you did seem good. Like, I could tell you were tired, but I'm like, you just ran 15 miles. Of course, you're a little tired. But you were good. Like, you were strong. You were running. You were right in between your A and B goal time. So it seemed good at at that point. Yeah. It seemed decent. I I was already frustrated at 15 miles in, and I couldn't keep up my A goal time, though. (laughs) Like, dang it. (laughs) Like, come on. I thought I should be a little fresher than this. (laughs) But anyways, at mile 15, you make a giant climb up to the mountain called Old Tom. And it's right about the highest. There's two two high points and they're both about the same elevation so this is one of the high points and climbed up old tom it's big out and back but then the sun came out and it got really hot on that climb and it's a really steep climb it was like four to five thousand feet so really just a big trudge up the mountain and i met gary robin's wife on the climb up and I still don't know who exactly Gary Robbins is, but apparently he's an ultra running influencer. 
And she was really happy that you didn't know who he yeah. was. <laughs> she was running the 100 too. And I think she said it was like her 11th or 12th. And wow. she says every time she does one, she says it's her last. <laughs> That's uh, what they all say. Yeah. Anyway, so I had a nice chat with Gary Robbins' wife. I'm sure I probably saw Gary Robbins, but didn't know who he is. Jacob showed me a picture of him, and I was like, pretty sure I saw a lot of guys with hats and beards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we looked him up on Instagram, and he has almost like 100,000 followers. Yeah. So I'm sure lots of people who are listening to this are like, you don't know who Gary Frazier is? So. Robbins. Rob, see? <laughs> Sorry. Wait, Gary Robbins. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, but I made the climb, and it's really cool. They had this old man up there. It's funny because the mountain's called Old Tom. I should have asked him if, if he was Old Tom. <laughs> but he was up there. He's like got all his hunting gear on him and, and camo. You can tell he's a big hunter, and he's got like six labs, six dogs all on the peak with him, and they're like really nice dogs. And and really trained well too. They're not like jumping up on anybody or anything, but they are sniffing your feet and things. And he gives us a wristband to prove that we went up old Tom. And if you're watching this on YouTube, Jacob's wearing the wristband, it's a pink wristband. And uh, anyways, so it came down off the mountain. Now the rough part about this stretch though, is this was a 13 mile stretch to the next aid station. And I, they normally have a water drop up there, but because of snow conditions, there was no water drop because they couldn't get the water in. And I ran out of water with probably two or three miles left to go to the mm -hmm. aid station. And that was with, on top of me conserving water and not drinking as much as I wanted to anyways, because I knew I would probably be running out. And that was with an extra 60 yeah. ounce water bottle too. Yeah, that was with, yeah. Basically, I had over two liters of water. Anyways, so that sucked. And I remember, though, I tried to stay positive because that was one of my big goals to stay positive. So I found a song and I was running alone for most of this section without my water. And I just sang that song to myself out loud and it got me through those miles. What song was it? Grateful by Paul Cardell. Mm, that's a good song. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and it's funny because I listened to the podcast Parking Thought. It's a really good podcast if you're looking for one about – it's a podcast about just kind of – it's almost about being grateful for life and, and what you're doing and, and what's in your life and finding the good in the world. And and so like, – because his tagline is – in a world where you can choose to be anything, why not choose to be grateful? And I guess in that moment that I kept thinking of that tagline and then that song and be like, you know what? Things aren't great, but I'm still grateful to be out here doing this, trying to get this done. So I'm going to sing this song and get down this mountain to the next aid station. Way to be positive. Yes. Anyway, so then I get there, the next aid station. Now I'm at like mile 28-ish and talk to you, get some more food in me. Gut, not 100%, but it's still in check. Which aid station was this again? West? South Fork. South Fork. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gut's still in check, but not great. 
And anyways, got food in me, took off to West Fork. It's now like 8 p.m. at night because it started at noon. So it took me about eight hours to do that first 28 miles. Then had a pretty good stretch there through to West Fork, which is, it was about another like seven, six, seven miles. It was a little quick one. Yeah, yeah. a little quick one. And that's where I'd be picking up my pacer. And that's where I, I had been passing on and off this guy named Burke. And we had shared some miles together. And we ran a lot of that section together. And and nightfall had started. And it was dusk. And we both kind of broke out our headlamps together. And, and little did we know that we were about to spend many hours together on the trails. Or little did I know. Maybe he was like, I'm tagging on with this guy through the night but <laughs> i didn't realize it but not only did you know you'd spend many vulnerable moments with him as yes. well yes yes and he was running his first 100 mile race he well his first second attempt and it, he dnf'd his first one and so you know i'm like these are good people to tag along with to keep in your because they you know he wants that first finish so I could tell he he was he he wanted it bad, and so we roll in the West Fork. I pick up my pacer, Ryan. Who's Head. Ryan Head? I'll in the show notes. I'll put Ryan Head's episodes in there. He's been on a couple times. Yeah, and so pick him up, and we set off, and it's dark into the night, mile thirty-five, and things are fine, things are good, like. I'm still eating every 45 minutes. I've been eating my sliders. I've been eating yams. I've been eating applesauce, fruit cups, some broth at the aid stations. So some some chicken, the cup of noodles. So I'm rolling and I'm rolling pretty good. I was feeling good for you at yeah. this point. When yeah. you came in, like you were obviously tired. Anyone's going to be tired after running 28, 30 miles and... But you're still doing good. You were yeah. talking. You were moving. Like I was like, man, he's doing great. Yep, just trying to stay positive. I was, I, I was doing good, but I still had fought off some battles. Like I was honestly struggling to accept what I was doing. Like you didn't really want to be out there. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I you didn't have that oomph, I did, that excitement yeah, for I, it. I did yeah. take a recording at mile 16 as I was climbing up the mountain where I'm like, you know, like I'm doing fine, but I'm feeling more tired than I feel like I should be. And I'm just struggling to accept that I'm out here for the next 30 hours right now. Why do you think you were struggling to accept it? I don't know. <laughs> I I guess you just have your good days and your bad days. Some days you're mentally on, some days you're mentally off. Do you think it just was one of those days I where mean, you just it was one of those weeks yeah. for me. It's mm. kind of been one of those months leading up to it for me where I just have been mentally off and not 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 with it as I normally am. Not focused, not balanced, not disciplined, not I've just it's been a very it was a very roller coaster month leading up to it. Like the motivation just wasn't really there. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I was struggling to find the motivation. I to see. Really do and it. then it's like if you're not motivated, it's like when we talk about our why, right? If you don't have a really solid grasp on your why, 
then why are you putting yourself through this pain? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I felt like, you know, I'd gone through this big training plan, but I'd already run a hundred miles. I've done one not official and one official now. So like, what am I proving now? Like the first one was to do it once. The second one was to prove that the first time was in the mistake and that I could do it again, <laughs> you know, and that, that I belonged in my mind. And now it's like, okay, now what, what am I doing? And so I thought that I was doing it to just like keep improving and get faster, you know, like that's what I kept thinking through the training, like 32 hours. That's my goal. I want to knock off time. But anyways, I just was struggling to, to find my groove of being out there. And then things started to really hit the fan and I was eating a yam. I started digging the yams at night, and I think I digged them too much. Uh-oh, do you think you're not going to do yams anymore? I don't know if I'm going to do them anymore. Because <laughs> I was eating a yam, and I started to feel the, the gag reflex start to kick in. Uh-oh. And I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, you know, like... I think good. And so I held off on eating it. I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with this yam. I'm going to wrap it up. And then all of a sudden, right after that, the throw up, it, it all, it all hit. And so I just step off to the side of the trail and I chuck up every bit of yam I had Ugh. consumed that night. Yuck. You know, and so I just throw up right there. It was good size throw up. I didn't realize I had that much yam inside of me. <laughs> and I, I I throw up and then I thought, okay, I think that's it. And so I'm like, okay, let's keep moving. And Burke is still with me. And so it's me, Ryan, my pacer, Ryan Head, and Burke. So two runners and a pacer. Burke didn't have a pacer. So he was kind of sticking with us for the night. And we keep walking. I get like probably only about 10 more steps. Another throw up hits me, step off to the side of the trail, boom, throw up more yams and noodles or whatever. And then I was like, oh, dang it. You know, like just kind of starting to feel pretty unhappy of what's going on. And so I'm like, okay, I think that's it though. We're going to keep moving, get about another 10 steps, hits me again, step off to the side of the trail. This time I just throw up just a tiny bit because everything's out of my stomach now. And you don't, you don't want that to happen because now you have no fuel in you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now you have no fuel. And then, you know, I take a minute now. Now it's happened three times. I take a minute and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit here. So I took a couple minutes, relax, drink some water. Tried to get feeling a little better. And once I got feeling better, we were a few miles away from the next aid station. And I just decided I'm going to, I'm going to power through. I just get to that aid station. Then I'm going to get myself right. And so I did. And, and I felt like I went at a pretty good pace trying to get down. And, but as I'm going down the aid station, my stomach starts to really hurt. And it's like the, I need to poop hurt. And I I knew the aid station was just like a couple miles away. So I held it in and 
and but it really hurts which i don't know this is what i've personally learned on runs if you have to go just go it's not worth holding it because that causes all sorts of other issues and it might have caused me it, it pro, i think it caused me to feel more sick like just overall sick because we finally roll into that aid station at mile 48 now so this is like 13 miles after the last aid station. So this was a good long stretch here that we went with no aid and roll in there. And I go straight to the porter potty because I'm like, I'm about to explode. Oh, that's geez. what I, that's what I said to Ryan and Burke. I'm like, I'm about to destroy this porter potty guys. And did they laugh yeah. or were they like, Oh, <laughs> but I go in there and as I sit down there, and it starts to come out the bottom end. Then the nausea comes back. And I thought I was going to throw up and it was going to come out both ways. Luckily, I was able to hold it down. But like then you're like the sweats come in and like the lightheadedness and like just the overall like feeling really sick. Hits. I told Jacob, I was like, welcome to pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, and so I I just felt really, really sick. And Burke's wife was there, and she met him. So Burke's over there sitting by his wife. Which aid station is that at? Gibbs and Jack. Middle of the oh, night. Oh, that's right. I was, like, I was asleep. This is like 2 a.m. And so I sit down, and I just, I feel so terrible, so terrible. And they end up giving me some Sprite. And I'm able to sip that down. And so I start to feel a little better. But I've just, I'm just, I'm wrecked. I feel really, I just feel straight up sick at this point. I feel like it's one thing to be sick during a hundred, but to be sick in the middle of the night during a yeah. hundred is a whole nother level of terrible. Yeah. And, but I wasn't considering dropping at this point. I just, I knew because I had gone through this kind of stuff before. I'm going to take longer than I, than I want to. I'm going to be here a while, but. So accepting yeah, what's happening. Yeah. But being here okay is all right as long as I get myself better to get back out there. So anyways, luckily there was a crew member there for another runner who had some digestive enzymes. And he actually gave me a couple. Did that help? Yes. Actually. Oh, that was the pacer for Jesse. Jesse. Yeah. yeah. I didn't catch his. He might have told me. He did tell me his name, but. And he's actually from Ogden. And he looked familiar. And where we live in Ogden. And, and that digestive enzyme actually really did help. After I took that was when I really started to feel a little bit more calm. So everybody take a note. Pack digestive enzymes yeah. for your hundred. Yeah. And anyway, so I was probably at this aid station for 40 minutes. Long time for being at an aid yeah. station. But I just sipped down as much Sprite as I could. And I didn't really feel like I could eat anything solid at the time because my stomach was on the fritz so badly. Is so, this when you started doing Tailwind? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Because I had Tailwind in my 
in my drop bag there. And so I had my pacer fill that up with Tailwind because up to that point, I had been doing LMNT. And so I thought, I need liquid calories right now because I'm not eating well. So Tailwind it was. And then we finally got... This is when Burke left me, though. Even though we'd been running together the past 20-ish miles, he he had to get going because he was feeling fine and I needed more time. So we said our buys and made me a little bit sad because I wanted to keep running with Burke, but knew that he needed to press on and I needed to sit there and get better. So Ryan was awesome, though, my pacer, as he was... He made sure I had everything I needed, ran back and forth, got me food, got me Sprite, made sure I had all my stuff packed up and just filling up my pack. So finally got out of there and I'm like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And my memory is a little bit hazy, but like Ryan, you know, it's like, you got this, man, you got this. And like we had a really big pump up moment as we were leaving that aid station actually like Ryan had a lot of energy yeah and Ryan really pumped me up and he's like you freaking got this and Ryan DNF'd his first 100 and now he's training for his second attempt and he's like don't be like me don't follow Ryan head and he's just like he's like you're freaking Jacob Bateman and I was like I'm freaking Jacob Bateman and like you're gonna do this and yeah and you're gonna get over this and you're gonna get feeling better and I'm like heck yeah and got really dang pumped like like and so and then I start you know singing more songs to myself and this time I'm singing scout songs that try to pump me up that i learned when i was a kid and working at scout camp we've realized that singing is the key for jacob to get through a hundred mile race (laughs) and so we start rolling but then like a mile after the aid station that stomach pain comes right back and this time i'm like i'm not fighting this anymore so i go off in the bushes have diarrhea I'm like, okay, I hope this, I hope that's it, right? Keep going another mile, boom, hits. Off in the bushes, <laughs> diarrhea. And this basically goes for the whole, it was like a seven mile stretch to the next aid station. And I basically went once a mile. Yeah, I think, I think Ryan told me that you'd stop to poop like seven or eight times. Yes. Yeah. And I wasn't even hiding in the bushes very far most of the time. I kept wondering if (laughs) another runner was going to come up and all of a sudden their light just shines on this white butt in the (laughs) bushes like 10 feet off the trail. Dude, at that point in the race, nobody even cares. You you, you always see someone pooping on an ultra. Yeah. So I, I was trying to stay paused. I was fighting through it. I'm like, hey, this can't go on forever, you know? Can't go on forever, but it was really starting to bring me down. And because you're not getting any nutrition, everything's shooting straight through you. And I'm only at like mile 50. So, like, mentally, you're like, you're trying so hard to be positive and keep going. And by this point, you're just starting to lose yes. it. And here's a mistake that Literally. I made I kept comparing this race to Ute. Because I'm like, I didn't feel like this. How I was feeling at mile 50 was how I felt at mile 
75 of Ute. Yeah, that's not a good idea. How, how I was feeling at mile 25 of Scout was like how I was feeling at mile 50 at you. So it's like, mm. and then I'm like, everything's hitting way too early, like 25 miles early than when it hit me at Ute. You know, like I, my gut went on me at you, but it was mile 75. Hey, every race is different. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so it's just, I was feeling extremely frustrated and down about that. Like, why is, why is this everything going south so much quicker on this race? You know, my guess is because he told God that your goal was to think positively. <laughs> yes. He, he, yeah, was just really helping you work on that. <laughs> I think he was because that was one of my goals was to learn positive thinking. So I was trying. I was really trying through these sections. And, and like, I wasn't considering, even though I was pooping every hour, the thought of DNFing wasn't occurring at that moment. Nope. I was just doing it. And we're just going to deal with it. And it's going to get better at some point, right? So then we roll into, like, Aid station at mile 55, Cusick Creek. And this one was like a more rugged aid station. There was no car access. They came up in four wheelers. Everything was transported up through four wheelers. And they had a bunch of ski patrol guys who were, who were sitting around. They had a fire there and it was four in the morning. So really kind of, kind of the cold point of the race. So I'm like, Oh, that fire looks nice. And there was another runner there and he was taking a little nap in the chair. And my gut is just gone right now. Right. I haven't really eaten anything between those two aid stations except tailwind. So they have broth. So I'm like, I'll give broth a shot and broth went down good. Then they had more sprite. So I gave drank more of that. And so I start to, you know, feel a little bit of calories coming back into me. And they had Bob Marley going on their speakers. And I was sitting there around the campfire and they can tell I'm looking so down and and just just <laughs> worn down from the past fifty five miles. And they're 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 trying to cheer me up. I don't even remember what they were saying, but they were trying to crack jokes or something. And and but this Bob Marley song comes on, and I kind of just not even realizing and start head bobbing to it a little. And it's the "Don't worry about a thing." <laughs> so the classic Bob Marley, everybody knows, you know, because every little thing is gonna be all right. And that song just spoke to my soul as I was listening to that. And and the guys like saw me. He's like, "Oh, you're head bobbing now," and it made me smile. He's like, "There's a smile," and I start like kind of mumbling the lyrics to the song. And the guy just joined it. The guy ended up just joining in with me. And then everybody else in the camp around the campfire, we all just start singing to the song all in unison and jamming out to you know. Don't worry about a thing because everything's going to be all right. <laughs> and that I was, love that. I wish, I wish we had a video of I that. I know. I wish we did too. It was a good moment. It was a really good moment. And it helped me to pick my head up and get out of that aid station. 
music. That's yeah. That's a powerful tool. But at that aid station, I did discover I could down saltines because they had saltines right, there. They right. offered those. So that was my first physical food that I had had in a few hours. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's that's a lot of catching up to do. And the thing is, catching up at 100, it's not like you can just eat 3,000 calories in one sitting. You have to yeah. slowly catch up. Yeah. So jammed out to Bob Marley, then got up and left. And now the sun, now we're looking at about 5 a.m. And this, you can see in the horizon, it's starting to lighten up. And so, you know, the sun's coming up. And you know, everyone everyone says that the sun, just make it through the night, and when the sun comes up, you're revitalized, right? Well, it, it's probably true when you're not puking and pooping every mile. Okay. I've yet to experience that. You know, when the sun comes up is always my lowest point. Every single race I've done. Really? Think about our first hundred. True. That is when we were struggling. Yep. Think I just of, thought it was because we were at mile 66. Think about Ute. It was right when the sun came up. So you're just feeling exhausted after the night, really? Yeah. And then this one, the same thing. I did do better through the night than those first few hours in the morning. Those first few hours in the morning are my worst. Mm. Anyways, and so... Me and Ryan, we made another climb, and then we dropped down into town, into the aid station where you were at, and this is like, what, 7 in the morning-ish? Yeah, your A goal was 5.30, so that's when I was there, and it's okay. That's what you do when you crew. You expect... Oh, I told you I wouldn't be there at 5.30. I, you know, I just didn't want to risk it, though, okay. right? So I was there at 5.30. I'm not complaining about waiting. <laughs> I'm just saying that's what happened. So I was there at 5.30. I was starting to get nervous, especially when 6.30 rolled around. And I was like, man, I hope he's doing okay. And then all of a sudden I see all these runners come through that you were ahead of at the other aid station. So I was like, I, Jacob must be having a rough go. And then text messages started to come in from Ryan, who, who was like, Jacob is really low right now. And, and so I was worried. And so you come into the aid station, and you guys, I, I thought that I've seen Jacob at his lowest, but I was wrong. I have never seen Jacob so low in my life. And it reminded me of our self-supported 50 that we did in 2020 when you got heat exhaustion. And, like, you were you were totally out of it. You were unresponsive to a lot of things. You were white. People are asking you questions, and you just... Like, I don't know if you were hearing the questions or not, but you weren't answering them. You were just, you were a zombie. You were completely out of it when you came in. I just, yeah, coming back down off the mountain, I don't know what happened, but all my energy just got sucked and I just fell into another low point. I don't know what brought it on because I thought I was feeling good after jamming out to don't worry about a thing. Dude. <laughs> but... I just, I couldn't, I couldn't maintain it. And at this point, I'm like, everything that had happened in the previous, I guess you could say like 20 hours leading up to this point, it just felt like I couldn't ever maintain anything. 
I felt exhausted, you know, at mile 15. I overcame it. But then I ran out of water. I overcame it. But then my my gut went and I threw up. I overcame it. But then I had bad diarrhea. I overcame it. And then all of a sudden I just felt done. That's that's a lot to go through yeah. in the first 50 miles. Yeah. Well, at this point it was 61. mile 61. Yeah. Almost 62. So it's basically 100K right now. Hey, like we've said, miles 60 to 70, they are always yep. the hardest. And Ryan told me... Use my own words against me at this point. Go, Ryan. Remember what I told, remember what you told me? And I said, no. He's like, you're going to hate me for saying this. And I was like, what? And he said, you're not allowed to quit between miles 60 through 70. (laughs) (laughs) And And you can't say nothing back to that. (laughs) I just thought, damn you, Ryan. (laughs) I was not, I was like, I can't fight that though. And so I deep down, I was venting to you. I wanted to quit, but I knew that deep down, I knew I couldn't quit there. We we all knew. I know you kept saying that you were done, but we all knew that you weren't done yet. Yeah. And so you, everyone at that aid station put up with me being a rude, whiny butt. Which you're being hard on yourself. They that's what they see. The the volunteers are used to that. They were all so nice. They were all so helpful. There was a doctor there and she gave me Ammonium. Ammonium to help Amodium. plug me up. Yeah, so she recommended her name is Sarah. She became my friend. She recommended carrying Ammonium, which keeps you from pooping. And she also recommended carrying, let's see, I looked this up here. I think a metrol is what she said, which keeps you from throwing up their over-the-counter meds. She says that she has them on every run and it's, they've saved her life. So there's a good tip that yeah. we learned. So that was really nice of her to see me and just take the time to recognize that I needed that. And then you were very nice and decided to at least send me up a mile and hike a mile with me up the mountain. Because now now we're about to start a really big climb. And Jacob doesn't have a pacer. So Ryan Head is done at this point. And then Jacob is picking up a Jeremy Tolman at the next aid station, which is how many miles from there? 19. 19 miles plus he has this huge climb. So this is... And the next aid station is another 13 miles away. On top of a giant climb. Yeah, yeah. So, and Jacob's totally out of it. And I just didn't feel good setting him off on his own. And anyway, so this was one of those moments where we all had to problem solve. And I gave my, oh, I gave my keys to one of the volunteers who ended up taking Ryan back to his car. Shout out to all the volunteers. They were so good. Also, this race, the aid stations were stellar. The volunteers were stellar. Like, it was well organized, and even a lot of the aid stations have themes, like the Idaho State track team put up, ran one, the the ski patrol ran one. There was another like race race company that ran one. West Fork was like a Hawaiian theme. Everyone yeah. had like lays on. Yeah, it was just really, yeah, really stellar, awesome. It was the most organized hundred mile race we've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Very sharp. Yeah. And so, yeah, you decided that you were going to send me up the mountain, come up a mile. And I was 
I was really grateful for that because I knew I needed to really vent to you. And I had you need to having, fill your feelings. I was having a hard time feeling because there's lots of people around me at the aid station. And I knew I needed some one on one time with my wife to where Someone I could, you could really, just freely I could really to. talk. And I, I don't know if you remember this part, babe, because you were so out of it, but I was like in my pajamas. I have like this giant hoodie on and these sweatpants on, these big socks and like a a beanie and at this point it's getting really 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 hot again and I didn't know how far I was going to pace you up the mountain so I was like crap I gotta like get ready to pace I wasn't planning on pacing right so I just grabbed whatever like shorts and t-shirt and things that I could find out of your bag and I'm pretty sure you'd already worn them they're covered in sweat and dirt and they were disgusting and I just threw on your shirt your your shorts I know I don't even remember I know so it, it was I and then you were ready to go so what happened is you start going up the mountain and then I'm like in a rush like I just grab some clothes out of your bag I go into the porta potty I change. I'm in my chocos. I don't. The only thing that I've eaten that morning is like half a chocolate muffin, and I have a half full water bottle. <laughs> and so, the medic Sarah, she start started walking up with you while I changed and grabbed everything really fast, and then I I ran up the trail to meet you, and then hiked with you about about a mile up from there. Wow. Yeah. And- so it was all last minute. Yeah, it so was that, you trying kind of to save my race. A stressful moment, but I was like, "Yeah, you're not, you're not hiking up by yourself." And then that entire mile up, like you said, it was just a event sesh. Yeah, I got a pretty funny video of it that Jacob hasn't watched no, yet. I don't ever want to watch it. <laughs> it's I, it's pretty dang funny. I that's when I was just straight up honest with you, and I just said, "I don't know why I'm here," and. And I guess I just, like, don't feel like I have the I, – I just, like, I felt like I've I've pushed through so much already. I just, I just don't know if my reasons are big enough to keep pushing. I basically right. told you mentally I'm losing it. And, and I could tell, like, like we keep mentioning, like, the oomph, it just wasn't there. Yeah, and that's what I was telling you. Like, I just don't feel like I have the drive and the oomph today. Like, it's – it's just not there and things have already gone south so quickly. Like, I just don't know if that oomph is there to go another 40 miles right now. You know, and, and I tried giving you advice. I tried saying things like, remember, the pain of DNFing is going to be Last more painful forever, yeah. than what you're experiencing right now. And, you know, the things that we've talked about on the podcast and nothing was getting through. No. And, and that's when I realized, okay, you just need to feel your feelings. So that's what I just started to listen and, yeah. and validate your feelings, really. Yeah. And I think there's a value in just feeling your feelings, even if they're not good feelings on oh, these kind yeah, of races. For sure. And I'll get to that. And I haven't, I haven't even shared what's, what my thought is about this with you yet either. But so then I, I've, I'm with you. I, I invent and that helped to feel my feelings a little bit. Because then, right after I vent to you, we see another runner come up and pass us. Mm-hmm. And he's got a pacer. And she's like, drill sergeant. Like, we're doing this, you know. Because now we're, starting to, now we're starting to be close to cutoffs. Because I had slowed down so much. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm starting to be close to cutoffs. 
And if I don't pick up my pace, I'm not going to make the cutoff at this point. Right. And high energy pacer. And I just had the thought, stick with them. So you start sticking with them. Yeah. You start running with them. And, and I can't I can't keep up with you at that point. So I'm like, okay, stick with them. I was carrying a lot of your stuff. So I kind of threw all your yeah. stuff at you. <laughs> you like just gave me a bunch of crap. And I'm like, I got to go. And, and I was like, go catch them. And yeah. <laughs> I hugged you and I ran up and I caught them. And I, I have to share this moment. This was the hardest moment for me the entire race was so we're at the top of this little hill. I hand you all your stuff and you're still kind of out of it and you don't really know what to do with your stuff, but you got to go. So you just kind of shove your stuff in random pockets and you still have a few things in your hands. Plus you have your trekking poles. <laughs> and and I just remember turning around and you like look at me over your shoulder and, and you have, you literally have food like around your mouth. You're like dripping sweat. They're salt. Like you look terrible. And you look sad and confused. And it was so hard. Like that, I could not get that image out of my head of you just looking over your shoulder at me like, what do I do? <laughs> and I was like, go catch them. And anyway, so you turn around, you start running, and I start going down the hill. And I just start crying because <laughs> that was a hard moment for me to just leave you there like that. I, I wanted to stay with you, but I couldn't, you know, that was hard. Yeah. And anyways, it was it was good that I found them though because they they gave me they helped me find like oh I do have some more in me and her energy was just like hey we're running this okay we're sticking it we're finishing like her energy was just like and because she was on that trail like she's like I'm gonna get you guys to the finish line she was pacing her brother and she's shout like, out to whoever this yes, woman was who yeah. got got you guys yeah pushing yeah and then but he started struggling a little bit because this is a really big climb and climbing is actually my strength and so i stuck with them for maybe a mile to maybe a mile and a half ish probably about 30 minutes ish. And then I just, that he slowed down some, he had to address some stuff and I was just like, I can't slow down. And so I, I kept going and I left him and I made this climb and it got super steep and you were going over some snow drifts and, and it was pretty hot at this point. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I actually did really good on the climb. And like I was keeping pace with the but there's fifty milers going on this section now. They started that morning and they were right there. And I was keeping pace with some of the fifty milers on the climb. And they were on fresh legs. I, that's awesome. I was so happy to see you running after the state that you're in. So. Well, you know, just wait though. So I make <laughs> the climb and now I'm on top and it's kind of just a rolling on top of these mountains where you should be able to kill it. Or at least, you know, really run the flats and the downs because there's quite a bit. And I realize when I get to the top that I'm almost out of water and I'm still like seven miles from the aid station. Oh, man. It's like this is the race where everything that could go wrong went wrong. <laughs> and that was really defeating to to realize that I don't have water. and And also... I didn't even know what I had in my pack at this point because I was so out of it at the last aid station. And I don't know. I, and so I tried turning on some music and normally music helps me. Didn't help me. Mm -hmm. I tried calling you. No reception. No, no. reception wasn't good enough. Dang. I, 
I think at that point I was waiting for you at West Fork. Where yeah. Oh, nothing. I had reception. Yeah, but you it just went straight to voicemail. Okay, yeah. And I just I don't know. I at that point again I was like, you know what? I think I'm just gonna quit at the next aid station. I just determined that in my mind. I'm just I'm done. I don't know. I don't feel like I have a motivation right for this race i just don't feel like this this is my day mentally i just have struggled to really be in this race i'm just mentally not in it and everything keeps going south every time i think i get back in it something happens three miles later that sends me into a tailspin to where I'm like, I'm not in it. <laughs> this just this was a scary run yeah. because I feel like the entire time nobody knew what was gonna happen. Yeah. Like it, I, I was like, I, I hope he finishes, but but then also, you know, you kept saying all the way up to this race, you're like, I just have a feeling I'm gonna DNF. I know. And, and I had and, that feeling and I couldn't shake it. I'm like, what is this feeling? And I'm not gonna lie, I didn't tell you this before. But I had a feeling too that it wasn't gonna be a good race. I don't know why, but I just and so when you were really struggling, I was like, shoot, is he actually going to DNF this? We're, we're going to do everything we can to avoid that. But I was like, what if he doesn't finish? Yeah. Like nobody knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And, and then I thought, you know, when I'm up here on these rolling flats, I can see back like a mile or two. There's not a lot of trees. So it's really exposed. And I didn't see the guy in the pacer that initially got me going. And I actually came across another hundred miler on the climb and he was going down and he was just like, I, my body's done. I don't have it in me today. Wow. And so I gave him a hug and me and him had been leapfrogging the whole previous day. So I gave him a hug. And so it was discouraging to see him go down. And then it was discouraging to see that the pacer and her runner weren't anywhere in sight so i thought maybe they just turned around and went down i feel like this is like war <laughs> and then my friend jimmy thomas also guest of the podcast he was running the race and i hadn't seen him in i don't know how long and and i hadn't seen him at any of the aid yeah. stations but i actually did pass him on the way back down but i didn't I was know that back down. right and i knew that i left the aid station 30 minutes before the cutoff or whatever and so i'm like is jimmy even in the race anymore and i view jimmy as the toughest man i know and i'm like if jimmy's not even in the race like and then you know you start justifying you're like well i've made it further than all of them <laughs> And it's not even my day. And anyways, I just was discouraged and I was just done. I'm like, I've fought through so many battles here. So many roller coasters. Everything's gone wrong. Everything's felt harder. Everything's hit earlier. Like, you know what? This isn't my day. And I just come to accept that in my mind. Today's not my day. And I, I'm now out of water. I ran out of water three miles out of the Jeez. aid station. And I literally... Those last four miles to the aid station, I walked two hours, four miles. Dang. 30-minute miles. I was done. I was done. And I get up to the aid station finally. This isn't crew accessible one, ATVs. And so I get in there and I tell the lady, I think this is the end of the road for me. And I was like, I think I'm going to DNF. 
And she's like, what's going on? And that's when the tears started for me when she asked what's going on and the emotional release. Yeah. The emotional release happened. That was when it happened right there. Mile 75 is this point now. So it was actually like a 14 mile stretch actually. (laughs) And the emotional release happens. And I just tell her, I was just like, everything's just hit earlier than normal and harder than normal. And I was like, I feel like, you know, I'm kind of tears are coming as I'm, telling her and I'm, and I'm just like i feel like i keep rebounding but every time i rebound something else brings me back down and something else happens i run out of water i get diarrhea i throw up I, you know i feel ex- you know just complete exhaustion and i was like i just i just don't it's just not my it's not my race not my day i just don't think i have it in me and she's like, okay. She's like, I'll call, I'll call you up a ride or whatever. And so she calls me up a ride and says, number nine's going to DNF or whatever. We need to get him a ride. And then right after she does that, I look over. So I called it, guys. I called my race. Like he actually DNF. I, I <laughs> they called it in and everything. Yeah. And I, but you know, I was still ahead of cutoffs and I hadn't walked off course yet. So I guess I was still legal until you, he, they said, until they take your bib, which means, you know, until they take your bib, you're still in it, I guess. So they hadn't taken my bib. They haven't got me a ride yet. So I was just sitting there eating chicken noodle soup, which was actually really good. And getting some food in me. And I all of a sudden look over and I see Jimmy Thomas. So so I, he's the he's the one that he's a good friend of ours yeah, and guest of the podcast, like I just said. Yeah, yeah. And I thought he had dropped. And I was it was like shock. Cause I didn't see him come in or anything. Like, you know, you can see the runners coming in, but I didn't see him. I must have been crying my eyes out (laughs) when he came in. And I was like, Jimmy. And Jimmy looked at me and he's like, hey, what are you doing here? And I was like, I think I'm calling it, man. It's not my day. And Jimmy's like, no, you're not. And Jimmy was so serious. He's like, no, you're not. You're getting (laughs) up. You're coming with me. Thank and, you, Jimmy. And I was like, no, Jimmy, I'm done. Like, this has been bad go, you know. And Jimmy's like, no, you're coming. You're coming. And Jimmy had a high energy pacer with him. And then his pacer starts getting on me. And he's like, get up, get your pack filled, get up, let's go. <laughs> We're going to make it down to West Fork. Freaking love it. You know, and Jimmy's like, what time is it? What time is it? And, and he's like, my pacer won't tell me what time it is. And, I was like one thirty, and he's like, so we got two hours for the cutoff to make it to West Fork. And I was like, I don't think I can make that. And his pace is like, yes, you will. And I'm going to make you. And and <laughs> then right as this happens, the crew captain, this is where they were going to, you know, officially take my bib and call the DNF comes over and says, we got a ride for you down the mountain. you got a comfy seat for you in the side by side. And, the moment of truth. Then I look at I like look at Jimmy, I look at her, and I grabbed my pack and I said, I'm not DNFing yet. <laughs> I was like, I guess we'll see how this goes. And I didn't even I didn't even grab any food, like because I, I wasn't preparing to run anymore. I just like 
You, you know, refilled on water. Yeah, though, they right? had refilled my water. Yep. Yeah, and I said, please get, refill my pack, and they refilled my pack, and and I took off with them. I said, I'm not DNFing. I'm going down the mountain to West Fork. <laughs> and and I was like, I was more like a groan. I was like, I guess we'll see how this goes. <laughs> and Jimmy's like, what? Someone said like, what do you mean how it goes? We're doing it <laughs> or something like that. Heck yeah. And uh, and their energy was contagious, and they start running down and the other kid in the same moment, not only with Jimmy, the other kid and his pacer, the girl that I thought maybe didn't make it all the way up the climb. They came in. Awesome. And so all of us then set off together and That's we are, we cool. are like the back of Packers. Like we are the final three hundreds and we all said, yes. And we all set off at the same time down the mountain we're like guys we're doing this together dude this is we're epic. Making this is like this. the climax of the story and we're like. yeah and we're all like <laughs> pumping each other up and then after about a mile i have to go poop of course <laughs> yes and so you really had to poop even after taking a yes ammonium? yes whoa yes that's some serious poopage. good thing i took that ammonium or else it would have been you i might not have happened the race <laughs> probably wouldn't have happened yeah. If I still had to poop after Seriously, taking Seriously, take note, you guys. Emodium, pack that in your bag. But I was out of wipes. So luckily, Jimmy lent me some wipes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so then I had to catch up to Jimmy and them, though. And so I catch up. But sadly enough, the the guy, the one kid who was running it and his sister, who was like the drill sergeant, she he started to really struggle and i don't think he mm. made that cut off about halfway down he sat down and he said you know he needed a break and i never saw him again after that oh man seriously so, it's like war yeah it, it's like war we lost him Ugh. and i feel bad for him because he made it 81 miles wow 81 miles and it was his hey, first that's, hundred that's a solid first 100 attempt yeah most people DNF their first 100. Yeah. That's very, very and I And I, 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 I saw a lot of myself in him kind of in like the mental mm. aspect, you know, especially on my first 100. Yeah. If I, haven't, if I hadn't had previous experiences leading up to this race, I probably would have DNF'd this race, you know. I think doing a self-supported 100 for your first 100 is a great idea. way to do it. Yes. <laughs> Cuz you learn so much and then once you're in a race with cutoffs, you've you've learned those lessons, you know. Yes, exactly. So, I love this kid though. He pushed himself. He truly did. And I I hope he gets back at it next year. And Melody's looking up how many people DNF their first 100-mile race and uh, it says 60%. Is 60%. What Runner's World says. Dang. So over half. Yes. So don't beat yourself up if you DNF your first 100. But don't let that be the final end all be all. Right. You don't have to DNF your first 100. So, but I caught up to Jimmy and I actually beat Jimmy into the aid station because then he. Which had, Jacob had a goal to beat Jimmy at, at this race. Yeah. It's just in the overall race, just because I view Jimmy as the toughest man in the world. <laughs> and anyways, but Jimmy was dealing with ankle issues, really bad ankle issues. It was also his 40th birthday. Yes. Yes. So what a way to spend a birthday. But uh, Jimmy literally saved my race though in that moment. 
because I, so I was Jimmy done. is an angel. I think God put Jimmy there at that time. Yeah. For sure. Like, no lying. Like, when I saw Jimmy, it was complete shock. Like, I couldn't believe he was standing in front of me. Like, because I just said he was done. Like, Jimmy was way behind me. Like, he didn't make the cutoffs. Had to have missed it. Or, And so seeing him there was... It, it literally felt like seeing an angel. He, he was an angel yes. at that moment. And he was to me. And he said you're doing this, you're not stopping. And, and you know, how I said that uh, I wanted to do this race to learn more and draw closer to Jesus Christ as well. Right. And I think that moment was like God sending, you know, an angel, <laughs> like, you know, almost Jesus Christ. Like what would Christ do in that moment? Christ would have said, no, Jacob, you have more in you. I believe in you. You're not going to stop here. You're going to come down this mountain with me. Right. And I'm going to help you get there. Just follow me and you'll get there. That's basically what Jimmy said. Follow me and we'll get there. You know, I feel like we can say in this race, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Yeah. But I feel like you really can look at it from a different light and say everything that was supposed to happen happened. And I feel like... Jimmy was there right when he was supposed to be there. I was able to pace you. You were able to get Amodia. But it's like you you ran with Burke. Like it's a lot just of like small miracles. Yeah. Yeah. Small like and large. All the people who were supposed to be there were there when they were supposed yeah. to be there. Yeah. You had everything you needed in it. And it it was super hard, but somehow it all lined up. Yeah. Yeah. And so that moment, Jimmy like acted like an angel to me. Totally. You know, and said, Hey. I'm here. I know you got more in it. And as long as you follow me down the mountain, you'll see you got more. Oh, yeah. And so I followed him down and I couldn't believe I cooked like some 13 to 14 minute miles down that mountain. That's awesome. I couldn't believe it. Like all of a sudden I could run again because I had convinced myself I couldn't even run. Hey, the, the whole David Goggins thing, when you think you've gone as far as you can go, you've only gone 40%. Yeah. That's 100% true. Yeah. So we got down to the... Next aid station, mile 81, and I came cooking in, and it came in about 45 minutes ahead of the cutoff, and, but I knew it was going to be tight because there was another tight cutoff up the mountain, and so I, I came cooking in, and I just felt revitalized, and energy levels are back. And I'm just like, I'm just going to drink as much soda pop as I can at the aid stations. That has saved you on every run, <laughs> soda pop. Soda pop and broth and I, gels or whatever, easy stuff and some fruit and just just ro- kept rolling through. And that's when I picked up Jeremy. So now I would have a pacer for the final 24 miles to the finish. So you come into West Fork. That's Mile where, 81. Yeah, that's where we're waiting for you. We, Jeremy got there around noon. You came rolling in. When was it? Like two, oh, 2.45. This was actually, this was kind of cool. I was getting nervous for you again because we were behind the times that we wanted to be. And, yeah. and we're, we're racing cutoffs, right? So yeah. every single aid station that I'm waiting for you, I'm just praying that you don't miss the cutoff. And so um, we're waiting for you. And I actually said a prayer that you'd get there before the cutoff. And I felt this really strong, overwhelming filming that you were going to come in before three. I think the cutoff was 3.30. 
but I felt like God confirmed in my heart, you are going to be there before three o'clock. So 2.15 rolls around, 2.30, 2.45, we're still not seeing you, but I just feel this overwhelming peace that you're going to be there before three. 2.58 is when you come rolling into the <laughs> Oh, station. so 30 minutes before the cutoff. I thought I was there at 2.45. Nope, you were there 2.58. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> but you were in and out of that aid station quick. And Jeremy was ready to go. Jeremy, he was the one, uh, the owner of the Ogden Running Company. He's the one who did the six pillar of ultra running, who talked about gear. We'll put that in the show notes, too. Yeah, so Jeremy picks you up and then... And I was so scared that this was the next aid station that I saw you at after I'd paced you when you were totally out of it. So I was kind of expecting you to come into this aid station like that. Mm -hmm. And so when you came running in and you're like, okay, let's go. I was so relieved. I was like, yes, he got a second wind. We're going to do this. So anyways, you guys take off from West West Fork. Yeah. And then Jeremy, I told Jeremy because we had another tight cutoff that we were chasing. And I was like, Jeremy, you gotta, you got, we can't do slower than, cause we're now making the biggest climb of the race at mile 82. Yeah, pretty rude, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's rude. Yes. And so I'm like, Jeremy, we can't do slower than 20 minute miles. Um, and I was like, I, I need you to hold that pace and I'll follow you. And Jeremy did that. And he knew Jeremy when was to, a great pacer. He knew when to push me and he knew also when to give me a little bit of a breather. And I, I have to throw this little teensy tiny side story in. We're we're close to Jeremy, not super, super close. We've known him for a little bit since he's opened up the run shop. I've been friends with his daughter for a while. But we were a little bit nervous because because everyone who's ever paced us has been like a really close friend or family member. So this is the first time we kind of like reached outside of our inner circle and asked for more help. And I'll, I'll let you tell more of the story, but long story short, you guys are best friends now. And, and so the, the moral of the story is reach out of your circle of friends. Ask, ask other people to come pace you. It's, yeah. It ended up being a really good experience yeah. for you. Yeah, it was great. So Jeremy starts setting it, and then we make this climb. And this it starts off as a really gradual climb up to like the base of the mountain. And then you make the steep climb. <laughs> And uh, anyways, at the base of the mountain, they have the aid station and it's a one mile out and back that they added on. Of course, got to make it 104 miles. Yep. Jacob Uh, has made it very clear that he's very upset about the extra four miles. (laughs) And, 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 uh, but it was actually fun because on this out and back as I'm going into the aid station, I'm seeing everyone come out, right? And all these people that are coming out are like the 50 miler runners who passed me when I was convinced I was going to, when I was convinced I was going to DNF. And they all saw me at the low point and like now I'm like cooking and moving, right? Doing like 16 minute miles. And, <laughs> and it just got me really pumped because like one of them was like, whoa, you're still in it. And I was like, I'm still in it. I'm still in it. And I'm like, we're doing this. And I'm like, fist bump him. And then like everyone that passed by, I'm like, we're doing this. We're doing this. We're doing this. <laughs> and I'm fist pumping every single runner as I'm passing on this out and back. And I saw quite a few. And I I ran this mile actually really fast because I was just pumped. And so I was just fueling off that energy off of seeing all those other runners. And they were all in shock of seeing me because they saw how down I was, you know, like 
10 miles back when they saw me previously and just really got me going and really got me the energy needed for the final push up to the top of Scout Mountain, which now we're like at mile 88. So it's just like one last push and then you're down on the home stretch. So got in the aid station, fist bumped everyone that I could see. And I was waiting for you there and it was awesome. Again, I was like, oh no, is he going to be a zombie? And he comes in and he's like, yeah, like literally fist pumps every single volunteer, every single runner. And then everyone else is pumped and everyone at the aid station is like, yeah, yeah, like screaming, like you just got everyone pumped up. <laughs> yes. You know, and then got changed my socks out, got some more food in me and got out of there pretty quickly. And to finish and off the you race, you were pretty close to the cutoff there yeah. too. I was hour ahead, so oh, I actually oh, had yeah, made up. Right. I had made up thirty minutes of time in that push up the mountain, and that also had really pumped me up. Like I just made up thirty minutes of time on an uphill section. Heck yeah! I I will say there was this little moment after you pumped everyone up at the aid station. You sat down in the chair, and I came over to start helping you, and you're like, Melody, I'm just masking. I'm in a lot of pain. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And I was like, I know, babe. <laughs> so we got the food and then me and Jeremy headed up Scout Mountain and a big old rainstorm came through and me and Jeremy, I started singing some Garth and I sang like one line and then all of a sudden Jeremy sang the next. I'm like, oh, he knows Garth. And then like, <laughs> we used, and then I started bouncing back and forth and then Jeremy and I just started jamming with Garth Brooks <laughs> and Jeremy would get some tunes going and we just hiked up that mountain and it was hard and there was a lot of, there was some slower moments and we had good conversation. But at this point it was like, we're doing the race. It's getting done. You know, it's just about trying to make sure we get it done efficiently, you know, and not taking too long of breaks. Cause we are still a little bit up against the time. And there, side note, there is a video of Jacob and Jeremy singing on our Instagram yes. page. It's pretty funny. <laughs> yes, yes, it's singing Garth Brooks. It, it, it was, it was, it was really fun. Me and Jeremy had some good times. He was really fun to be with. Yeah, watch it if you want to like really get the sense of what an ultra yeah. race is like. <laughs> and at the end, like, because all this footage, Jeremy had his GoPro and he's playing around with it and and having fun himself. And there was these giant snow drifts on the top of Scout Mountain. And we, we were able to just sit on our butts and slide down these snow drifts like it was a water slide. They were, uh, there's videos of that on our page yes. too. And they were steep. They were Holy steep. Holy moly. It looked scary. They were, it was a little, like the first time, like the first one I did when I sat down, I'm like, wow, this. This looks a little intimidating. And Jeremy's like having second thoughts. Yeah, well, <laughs> but I don't want to walk around this. <laughs> Sliding down seems a lot more fun. So And a lot quicker. <laughs> yeah, a lot quicker, more efficient. I remember I said anything to take less steps. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, and then we, we ran down a never-ending switchback off the mountain that really made me mad because it felt like these switchbacks would never end. <laughs> And we came into the last aid station at mile 98. Mile 98, and you still got six more miles to go. Anyways. But it's cool because you got a distance PR, yeah, too. Yeah, mile 98, we came in 30 minutes ahead of the cutoff. 
That, that was a tight cutoff of that one. That one, so good, yeah. Good thing I made up time on that other climb. So, anyways, came up 30 minutes ahead. Just got a few cups of Sprite down me, refilled my Tailwind. Tailwind powered me through my last 50 miles. Good thing I went and got Tailwind. My re- whole thinking was Tailwind or my backup calories. And good thing I thought of that. Yeah, it saved you. Yes, Tailwind. So Tailwind is not a sponsor. And my c- stomach did calm down, but it's wasn't it wasn't happy still. I did notice this though at the U one hundred, you were bloated. Yeah, you looked pregnant, babe. <laughs> yeah, but I I noticed that your stomach wasn't like that. Like your stomach looked flat. You didn't look really bloated. Like you yeah, did you. it calmed down. I think that ammonium really helped calm it down, or digestive enzymes or whatever. So it wasn't happy, but it calmed down. And I was able to like get some, some apple sauces and some gels and things. So that's Tailwind applesauce, gels. That's what it really and was. And fruit cups. You're yeah, still eating those, right? A little bit, not much. Oh, okay. Okay. But yeah, I did eat some fruit cups. Yeah. Okay. Right. And uh, anyway, so then at we came into the last aid station, mile 98 at 9 p.m. Darkness is starting to set. And at this point, it was just about... Finishing the last six miles, there was some ups and some downs, kind of a half up, half down sort of feel. And me and Jeremy just knocked it out. The last two, two and a half were all downhill though. And so I ran that in and it just, it just felt really good to, to finish that race. And, and, and it, Jeremy just pushed me, you know, and, I ran, great I ran some 14 minute miles there at the mile hundred mark with, because of Jeremy and, and, you know, it's good to see like you, I have more in me. Like I remember even thinking to you when I was like at mile 96 with you and we were going down some downhills and I was like, I might just be walking the rest of the way, but I ended up running the last like mile and a half, but like, because I had that last mile and a half at you, I was able to draw upon that and I ran even more of that where beforehand, if it were been my first hundred, I would have thought I couldn't have run any of that. But right. it's just that I've learned that even though I'm at mile 98 doesn't mean you can't run. Right. There, yeah. There's always more in you. Yeah. And so we ran it in and finished. And this this was my perspective of you finishing. So the crew perspective we got to the finish line at, when did we get there? 5.30 or 6. You came rolling in at 11.10. So 50 minutes before the cutoff. 50 minutes Midnight before the cutoff. Midnight was the cutoff. Yeah. The race director called it golden hour. He announced on his microphone, he's like, okay, everyone, this is golden hour. Everybody who runs in between now and midnight, these are the toughest people on the course. And he's like, make sure you yell and scream. It was so fun. That golden hour of everyone screaming for the runners coming in. It was so fun. So, and I was like, heck yeah, my husband's one of the toughest ones out out there. So. Always one of the last to finish. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's what this podcast is about, right? (laughs) It's just about, just about finishing and mental toughness. So anyways, so we waited for you for five, six hours. It was really funny. Jacob's aunt and his parents got there and, and when they asked asked me, so how long do you think it'll be? And I was like, it could be in an hour or it could be in five hours. <laughs> and they were like, are you serious? <laughs> hey. And and I don't know how any of you out there, if, 
if you've crewed, you know, it's just a waiting game. And I brought all this stuff with me to, you know, to read and to study and to do this stuff. And it just didn't happen. I just, some people are able to zone all the noise out and, but I just wasn't able to zone out all of the noise and stuff that was going on. And it, so I, I basically just people watched for like six, seven hours. It, that was pretty entertaining. <coughs> there was a, a group of people at the finish line who they were totally drunk and they were doing karaoke and anyways, it was fun. But anyway, so we're waiting for you. And at this point it's dark. And so we can't see the runners who are coming in. All we see is headlights. So I literally filmed every single runner come across the finish line just in case it was nice. you. And uh, we all got up and cheered just in case it was you. And and of course we were cheering for for everyone because they deserved it. But it was just so exciting when finally we were like, wait, is that Jacob? Is that Jacob? And we saw Jeremy off on the side with his GoPro filming you. And, and we were all like, it's Jacob. And you come across the finish line and I can't, there's just something about waiting around that long for that moment, that one moment, right? And it's the most exciting moment. And we're just screaming and, and it was just so fun to watch you come through. And then you did it. You overcame all odds. And, and before this happened, I was telling everyone, I was like, man, I just am praying that this is like an awesome comeback story. And Jacob just, you know, he he comes back and he finishes strong and it's an amazing story. And I was like, please, I prayed. I was like, please bless that. That is the outcome of this. And so I was just, it was like relief and excitement and gratitude. It was an awesome moment. So yeah. awesome. Yeah. And it was, I actually, it was a fun moment for me. My previous 200s have just been relief. Yeah. This one felt fun. It, it was, well, the race director did a good job at making it fun yeah, too. Yeah. Like it was a party at the yeah, finish line. Yeah. It felt fun. Yeah. Cause the, the Ute 100, it wasn't a party. There no, wasn't was even so a, like a finish line. <laughs> yeah. It was just a canopy with his buckles and that was it. And then you just went home. And uh, no, this felt fun. And, then I saw like Burke, he had finished like 15 minutes before me and he was there and I was so happy. It was like, Burke, yes. Cause he finished his first hundred and what a first hundred to run for your first hundred. Ooh, that's a tough yeah, race. So it is tough. Burke's a tough sucker for getting that done. And, and then we waited for Jimmy to cross and then Jimmy came across about 30 minutes later. And Jimmy actually got, it's called the Cougar Bait Award which is aka dfl he got the very last spot yeah, very last hundred mile finisher and jimmy overcame a ton jimmy was dealing with major ankle issues and and it was a really rough race for him too and i know my goal was to beat jimmy but also i don't want to I feel like I can't brag because I wouldn't be in the race without Jimmy. And, and you know, it really is true. <laughs> Jimmy was awesome. And so he's the reason you, finished. like I said, he's the toughest man I know. And, and so it was just, they had awesome baked potatoes. I was able to eat. Well, and it was so weird. I, you were just like laughing and walking yeah. around and eating food. Like you just seemed awesome I, I was afterwards. On adrenaline high. Like, yeah. Yeah. You were, I was, it was, such a crazy day like it just it just felt so good to be able to finally relax at the finish line and enjoy that i did it you know and I, i'm just throwing this in there for like education for 
listeners, but you didn't nap, right? No you ran naps. the whole time. No, there okay. was no sleep. What we've learned is you don't really nap on a hundred mile race. I don't. Yeah. And the, I don't think you need one to. One of really. the kids who was napping that always was leapfrogging me and he took a couple naps. He DNF'd. Mm. He was the one that climbed back down the mountain when I was climbing up. Yeah. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think you got to learn your body. Everyone's strategy yeah. is a little different. Yeah. yeah but, but for me, what it's I'm, not. What I'm learning with a lot of runners that I coach and a lot of runners that I'm seeing at the races is most of the time they don't nap for a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was good to be done. And uh, able to talk to some other runners and my family and and friends and and celebrate the day. It was really fun to sing out for weekend. about hung out for about an hour after the finish and went it was home, good. showered and zonked out. Oh, I I, I only still I only slept like four hours. Yeah, I, I couldn't I knew go to you sleep. Going to sleep well. I couldn't go to sleep, and then I. You were shivering. Woke, yeah. You couldn't stop shivering. My legs really hurt. I, I kind of felt guilty, but I, I was so exhausted. Oh, I, no I got into bed and I passed out. I knew you weren't going to sleep, but I just, I I didn't have it in me to stay up yeah, any well, longer. I didn't expect you to. And anyways, and it was, it was good. Next morning, went and had a big breakfast at a restaurant and went to church and drove home and yeah, now we're recovering. Well, in our next episode, we'll have to talk about the recovery part of it. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, it was it was a good good day, and it just goes to show that whenever you think you're done, you're not. Like we have so much more in us than we realize, and and you guys, it's worth it. Just remind yourselves when it gets hard, it is worth it to it just is. keep pushing. It is. It's. It is. I thought I was done and I thought I was happy with the decision, but seeing Jimmy made me realize I wasn't. And we all knew when, yeah. when I was at the finish line with your mom, your mom was like, if he doesn't finish, he is going to beat himself up over this for the rest of his life. And I was like, I know <laughs> we, we need to get him to finish. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was good. And you know, I, I learned that, uh, here's what I learned, that you should go, I went to the ultra expecting things to go wrong, but I wasn't going in expecting it to go that wrong, that wrong. <laughs> and what I learned is when you go into an ultra, especially a hundred miles, you should expect a, a constant roller coaster. Don't expect it to be smooth sailing for the first 50 miles. You know, if you're expecting that and then you start getting really disappointed when the first 50 miles are complete crap like mine were, like the last 25 miles weren't that bad for well, me. And that's another thing we have to throw in is you never know when it's going to turn around. Yeah. It, but, but it will at some point. So keep moving. Yeah. So like I thought like at mile 75, I felt like I did at mile 100 of my previous hundreds, but I just needed to keep moving. You know, and so like expect things to go wrong early and then just work through things one at a time and don't think about how many things you've had to work through, but just work through it one at a time. Be present. Be present. Don't think about the future. And yeah, one step at a time. I, I've said that before, but I guess this one I'm just getting at the roller coaster, like 
expect it to go wrong early and that you will have to keep adjusting every step of the way, you know? It's that problem solving that we talk a ton about. It comes in waves, but expect the waves to come earlier rather than later. My mistake is I expected them to come later. I would say maybe just drop expectations. Just accept what happens, you know? Yes, that too. And so, yeah, I think that was one of my my big takeaways from this race was, and then my other takeaway was that God loves you and that he knows, he knows you. And when you need help, he will send help. And if it's important to you, it's important to God. Yeah. Cause I, in my lowest points, he sent help when I said I was done and told the lady I was done. He sent help at that exact moment to tell me that I wasn't done and that he believed in me and that I could do more, you know? You know, and and I feel like, we won't go into details here, but we talked about how Jacob was a little bit down before the race, right? And I feel like after this race, a lot of the answers that you've been seeking for, you said you woke up the next morning and you just kind of knew what what you're supposed to do next. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Like, I woke up Sunday morning and a lot of the things that I've been struggling with with my mental health that have been bringing me down has been because I've been unsure about what to do about a few things in my life. And I also just woke up and I just felt clarity in my mind the next day. And I think I needed, I know I needed to finish this 100-mile race to bring that. I don't know. It made me proud of myself again. It made me. It gave you that confidence, confidence that you needed yeah, to. Like, yeah. It, you know, it, it just, yeah, I'd been confused about a lot of things and what to do about some things in my life. And, and something about just running a hundred miles gave me clarity about stuff outside of life. And, and I have to say there's, you know, you were low for a little bit and ever since the race, there's just a lighter, happier feeling around you and in our home. And it. It made a really big difference for sure. It did. It did. I don't I don't know exactly how or why or what made it happen, but something about being in the mountains for a hundred miles and and overcoming obstacle after obstacle and having that experience has brought me clarity in a lot of different parts of my life. You know, and, and I I wanna throw in gratitude too. I feel like after every big race like this, I just feel like overwhelming gratitude, overwhelming gratitude for Ryan and Jeremy and Jimmy yeah. and Patrick and Bree. They're the one, they're our, our cousins who let us stay with them and, and crewed us and for they two crewed days. and they even took work off for it and made Jacob a uh, chicken noodle soup. Ryan and- missed part of his family party and. So he could come run so through the night. Run. Jeremy drove up. And he drove two hours. He waited for three drove hours. Drove back at midnight. Got home at two a.m. It's just, just so grateful yeah. for for these amazing people in you our life. Hung out on the mountain for <laughs> three days, basically pregnant, <laughs> hauling around all my crap that I don't <laughs> ever touch right. to all the aid stations. I definitely. I definitely get a lot of weird looks carrying all that stuff and then around. T- and then telling me that I can get back out there and keep doing it, you know. And, so. and gratitude for you too. Gratitude for being able to be a part of it. Just I feel honored to be able to be a part of it and and to watch you push through like you did. Definitely inspired me. 
it just, yeah, my heart is full. My heart's just so full. And I just, I just, after this, I'm like, I want to be a better person. I went up and signed up or signed up for a cannery assignment with my church. I'm like, I want to help more. <laughs> to can food for to the poor food, pe- people yeah. who can't afford to buy food. Right, yeah. right. And I'm just like, what else could I do to help people? Like, I just, um, yeah. you know, I, I just, it makes me want to be a better person and it just makes me want to give back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's good. Good humbling experience. Yeah. So that's that. Run ultras to keep us humble. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's oh, part yeah. of the big reason. Uh, yeah. It does keep you humble. Ultras, ultras have taught me that I'm just a normal person. Like yes. Everyone else. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. Well, there's the race recap, guys. That Scout was Scout 100. There you have it. Scout Mountain. It's 104 miles, somewhere between 23,000 to 24,000 feet of vert. My watch died, At and it mile, gave, like 96 gave or me the, and it literally died. Died. Like I have no GPX. Like it's and won't recharge. So, anyway. <laughs> So I don't have a GPX file for any of my 300s. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's Whatever. not that yeah, yeah. One of these days I'll get one of those, but I got the uh, I got the proof in, in the belt buckles. Which he slept with the, the night of the yes. race, by the way. <laughs> yes. I love it. So thank you, everybody, for joining us here on Trail to 100. And thank you all for your support. Throughout the race, we had so many messages from you guys cheering Jacob on, and we appreciate it so much. You guys are awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. I remember one message from a fan came through. Let's let's give him a shout out. Mark. Mark Fraud. Is that how you say his last name? I think so. Fraud. 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 Frad, Mark Frad. Mark, tell us how to pronounce your <laughs> Mark, last we're name. sorry we're butchering your name. You're not a fraud, I promise you. You're a stellar dude. <laughs> but uh, Mark sent me a really good text at my lowest point as I was sitting there thinking I was going to DNF. And it definitely helped me rethink things on top of seeing Jimmy. And all that came to happen at the same time. And I was just like, wow, I, I got to keep going. So. Thank you for the text, guys. And we met a couple listeners out there on the course, and it was cool to talk to them. Shout out to Jeremy yeah, and JT. And JT. Oh, yeah. JT was so nice. He helped me pull this giant wagon up a hill. Yeah. He recognized me and, and helped me with that. I really appreciate that. So, honestly, guys, we... We uh, we do this podcast to be around cool people like you. And uh, so thank you for listening and supporting us. And we really appreciate that. And we will talk to you all next time. See you guys. Hey guys, it's Melody here. Thank you so much for listening to Trail. It means so much to us. I'm really excited to tell you about my coaching business where I help average Joes who are looking for a little bit more out of life do something big to find a little bit more purpose, direction, and meaning. Learn more on my Instagram at the Pine Tree Runner or on my website, melodybateman.biz. Links are in the show notes. I know what it's like to feel stagnant or like something's missing 
or like you just want more out of life. I was in the same spot. Jacob and I had just gotten married and we were both working nine to five jobs and we just were like, what do we do now? We we just wanted something more and we listened to David Goggins book and we decided to sign up for a 50 mile race and since then, we've done 50s, we've done, Jacob's done a couple hundreds, I've done one 100, and and running has changed our lives. I feel like I always have a goal to work towards. I feel accomplished and proud of myself. I feel like I have learned countless life lessons that have made me a better friend, a better wife, a better daughter, a better person. And I want to give back and help you do the same thing. I'm telling you, running can change your life. If you're ready to jump in and sign up for a race, whether it's three miles or 100 miles, I would be honored to help you cross the finish line. If you'd like to learn more or get in contact with me, find me on Instagram at the Pine Tree Runner or contact me through my website, melodybateman.biz. Links are in the show notes. You have so much potential and you are way stronger than you know. Let's find your strength because it's there just waiting to be tapped into.